of um, some. It was a different film, but the, but the point is that like everyone, and then it gets it gets like thrown into this heap of like six thousand reviews for that movie, and then because you're not like a verified critic, yeah. and so and then I was looking looking through all the like the user reviews, and everyone just does like one sentence, and then a star. Or whatever, and uh, it's like three thousand people doing that, and then my eccentric, you know, rant somewhere in there <laughs> that no one will ever see. So that's like, great. it's sort sort of oh, strange. Like, you doesn't it doesn't really count for anything. Your reviews, it's not like like Goodreads or something. Um, there's no upvoting. Yeah, there's, a running tally. there's no commenting and upvoting, and there's no way yeah. to keep track of that stuff. That's too uh, bad. So what are we well, gonna I, let's uh, do? Banshees, and then yeah. we can we can trail off in the True Grit, the, the two True Grit films, because right. I I, I kind of saw them and I kind of I uh, didn't love them. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't. Mean, I, saw, I realize I just don't like the plot. That's the problem. Yeah. I saw I just the, don't I like saw the, the first one a few weeks ago, but I haven't seen the newer one for you know years. Yeah. Well, the pl- the plot is just it's just not good and true grit and i so i really i just i've always wanted to avoid talking about these watching them and t- discussing them breaking them down because they're so bad to me even though they have everything going for them i just hate the plot and true grit and uh and so i would much rather have done like the Magn- magnificent seven which is yeah. not even that good it was like a b movie i'd much rather have done the magnificent yeah. seven and then the remake which is even more it's like a c movie but for whatever reason true grit's like a classic and, and you yeah. know what? It's like a late addition to the Western uh, c- uh, cinema canon because it, it's like a 69 film. Yeah, I know. So it, I, it I doesn't sort of, even really qualify. You get that and it's John Wayne is like really aged in it. And he's a you know, Rooster Coburn or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll save that till, till the end of this. For now, we're going to talk about Banshees, yeah. which is a more contemporary film. And I yeah. think it should have gotten Best Picture. But, you know, yeah. that's just me. I it definitely... Um, Got best actor, I think. Oh no, it didn't even get best actor. Honestly, the whale guy got best actor. Yeah. Did you think Colin Farrell should have gotten best actor? Uh, see the black haired guy. Yeah, he's Porig or whatever. He's yeah, Pad Dreg or whatever. He's he's the cloying kind of needy. Yeah, he's guy. the cloyingly nice, like a needy uh, friend. Yeah. He's the he's the main character, but he just doesn't Pretty really much, seem yeah. like it. Yeah. He seems I... sort of subdued. As I, it sounds weird, but like, I don't. Something about it sounds. This is not a good criticism of an actor, but something about him doesn't seem like plausible to me. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, he seems like a character on Friends almost, just like the way his face looks. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is. He doesn't. He's you know. I get the. the it's kind a of a character comedy. on Friends. Yeah, he has a kind of uh, soft. Uh, yeah, well cornered look. He doesn't. He seems yeah. sort of <laughs> soft around the edges and sort of, you know, tame. I said subdued earlier. He kind of. Yeah. He doesn't really look like a full, fully formed personality. He just um, doesn't look. The, yeah. That's the point, I think. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, like, I mean, this is kind of getting ahead of myself. But like, I kind of, I kind of just feel a bit uh, anal about historical accuracy sometimes, or at least like, I want to work to at least appear historically accurate, sort of. And I just got the sense that that was not, that was not the main point of the movie, but it kind of like annoyed me because it always seemed like they were about to, they were about to really dig into the, 
you know, the reality of that time, whatever it was like, because, you know, it, it, even back, you know, it's not that far in the past, but every, absolutely everything was totally different, or a lot of things were really different, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I, I have kind of a weird nostalgia problem. So I just, again, like that's, he doesn't seem like a guy you find on a small island at that time in Ireland. And so that kind of takes me out of it. The sort of older guy is a bit closer, the surly like artist type. He's a bit closer, but that's, that's pretty, uh, it's almost like gay just focusing on what guys look like, but it's not really. Well, well let's not discourage it's, it's like a, the homosexual community. Well, I don't. Yeah, I just mean gay in the sense of like. This uh, is this is a professional, uh, professionally syndicated format here. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot you were gay. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, no, I'm saying. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, this is I the just... second time in like two days someone has like just kind of called me gay on a on like a like a call. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's the LA thing. Maybe because I'm going to LA, they just decided that I'm. I'm gonna to go to West Hollywood. Do you want to? <laughs> you want to one of the boys. One, one of the, one of the one of the lowdowns. What do they call it? What do they call it when like black dudes are, are gay and they just don't admit it? I think it's called down low. That's what they call it. So funny. I'll get okay. and then maybe I'll, I'll I'll get you know I'll date rape someone a twink, and they'll die, and then because of the drug overdose that I forced them to go through. And then I'll have to go to prison, and then I'll get turned out in prison, and I'll become a girl. And then I'll be not only gay, but I'll be trans, too. So, Dang. Um, yeah. How the cookie crumbles. Well, no, anyway, um, I'm sorry for well, Banshees, the I like, Okay, I like Banshees because the main character does have my name. <laughs> yeah, that, that in itself. That but it's it. an Irish version. It's, the, it's like the original or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of, you never, and it's, by it's, the way, 96% tomato meter critic. Uh, sorry, yeah, review. Dude, I don't... Very good. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't trust that at all, man. Like, especially... You didn't like years. this movie? You didn't like this movie? No, I actually kind of didn't. Well, was, I'll tell you it, one thing. The Colm character... Um, yeah. You kind of... I didn't like it when I first tried to watch it um, uh, uh, some months ago. And yeah. then... Uh, I think, like, a professor or someone... Uh, yeah, a professor in my screenwriting class told me... He liked it. And I, I was yeah. like, all right, well, if this guy likes it, maybe he's seeing something. I'm not seeing it. And yeah. eventually I just kind of I got, kind of got back into the swing of, of, of watching these sort of buddy bromance films. And it's not really a bromance film. No, it's I think kind of an anti-bromance film. Isn't it's it? anti-bromance up until kind of the end. And then it's just like a little like sneak peek of what portends for the two of them, which really <laughs> wasn't probably that worth documenting. So... <laughs> Yeah. Um, you didn't see the full thing, though. This is that's my. No, point. I did. I saw the full thing. So you saw like the how how it ends and how yeah. it kind of you know crescendos into all this you know chaos and yeah violence and fire and, and... Oh, the fire. Okay, so you know you, you know about the arson. Yep. Spoiler: There was some arson involved. Yep. Um, and at first you think, wow, maybe this guy is just so stubborn that. He's going to literally die in a fire because the other guy's so annoying. But um, but he doesn't. He's he's either too cowardly or whatever. And so he doesn't have a house. But now Colm is for or whatever. Uh, Padraig is forcing Colm to be his friend. And Horig, 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 
Parig. Parig. They, they don't pronounce the D. Parig. It's like, it's, it's not Padrig or Padrig or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's like Porgrig. And this is the thing is that you, I feel like he's sympathetic for some, for, for this offbeat reason, which is because he has his donkey and yeah. he has, he, his job is sort of lame, but he's, he dutifully, he's like always waking up, you know, at the crack of dawn to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's just got this sort of humble working class existence. And yeah. yet there's something sort of luxurious about his station in life. He sort of has, has this island privilege where he can kind of like, <laughs> and he, he kind of doesn't have to do anything, but he, but he kind of seems to choose to. It's sort of Sisyphean, you know, he's yeah. pushing the rock up the hill and then it rolls back down. And Yeah. Because uh, yeah. the island is so inconsequential and remote that, you know, just to eke out a living that literally no one cares about, it's you're really at the last, you know, you're at the end of your rope, basically. But he still does it with a cheerful attitude. And yeah, as Bre can... Brendan Gleeson's character sort of exp uh, exposes, uh, uh, Insurin doesn't have banshees, right? It was, yeah. just, it was just a flight of fancy when he named his uh, music composition. And yeah. so even that is sort of like renders the story more, the setting more bleak. But this is the thing. I think Porig is smart because he's able to sort of make a map of meaning out of his Sisyphean labor. Like he sort of yeah. like, it's like I saw a, car, a cartoon last night where a guy rolls, Sisyphus is condemned to, by Hades to roll the rock up the hill and then it rolls back down and then rolls back up. And then eventually he just turns it into like a gym where he pays people <laughs> to roll the rock up. Jeez. with him and it, it becomes like this sort of like he, he becomes kind of like a stud you know and he and, and he's got like women going to the gym and stuff so like yeah. he's making money right it's just kind of like in that movie dodgeball with ben stiller yeah he sort of becomes like a he, he's like this dweeb and then he becomes um a muscle like a bodybuilder yeah from you know, zero he becomes to a zero. Winner. uh or, yeah and so porig is kind of in that boat like he does the same mundane job day after day and yet, for some reason, he's gaining something out of it. But Colm doesn't see that. Brendan Gleeson, Brendan Gleeson's character doesn't understand that. Yeah. And so that's why he kind of wants to divorce from the friendship or whatever, and focus on something a little more obvious, which is, uh, in this case, classical music. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he and he of course he cuts off his fingers. Another spoiler. Um, sorry. Yeah. And he, he, and that's maybe what you didn't like was the sort of like desperation. Yeah, that's well, exactly. Yeah, I, what I thought, what I, I just feel like that kind of lowered it from being an actual, like what the movie, in my opinion, what the movie presents itself as is this like subdued, like quote, like literary, like highbrow art film, but. These car these the moment the, this moment of cartoonish violence. Not only does it not make any sense, like to me at all, and nor does I think nor does I th nor do I think it does it actually make sense. But it just kind of lowers the tone, and it makes it almost like it makes it me feel like it made me feel like I was kind of watching a cartoon, like. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it, 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 it's really it has that pacing, doesn't it? It's well, yeah. It's, very, it's all of a sudden. Um, it's it's really like over the top. You you feel like the character was poor judgment, even worse than you thought he had. Yeah, and yeah. It, it seems like it was just sort of you know flash in the pan kind of well, this, action. Yeah, that but, that yeah. reflected sort of like an appeal to the immaturity of the audience. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Um, but I think that's sort of what 
was, um, you know, you might be have a, have a have a superior temperament to a lot of people, but I felt like um, the, the movie was trying to make meaning out of the sort of the, the doldrums of this relationship and trying to make yeah. it, it seem like something that wasn't entirely staid and pointless and redundant. And it accomplishes that, but it does have a, uh, it has a sort of animation effect where, you know, there's, it's like a jump scare almost like yeah. it's sort of, it's a cheap thrill and yeah. a cheap trick. even. And yeah. I, I, I do, I do understand your, 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 your concern, but I, I also think that what, what would, would the alternative be for you? Like, that they would they would have like a chess match, and then <laughs> and then he'd find out that Korig was really good at chess, and then he would like he'd be like I mean that that's this isn't Henry James you know you have to actually have <laughs> some sort of cataclysm to make yeah. it, that's to make it a Hollywood film. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. Is it? I mean, is it a Hollywood film? You know. Well, it, it, it kind of styles itself like it isn't, but it ultimately is. Because... Okay, and I guess I guess that's what kind of maybe that's what kind of annoys me. I don't know. I don't know. It, but but yeah, there's something kind of insincere about the whole like, oh, we're just humble Irish playwrights, you know, yeah. trying to get, trying to make a quick buck on the a pot boiler on the West End, and uh, <laughs> we'll do anything, you know, we'll write about anyone's lives as long as it rings true. And it's like it's a little. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. And oh, I think what it is is it's sort of like the last gasp of like white supremacy in Hollywood, where Jeez. they're kind of like, where they're kind of like, oh yeah, well this we'll make a movie just for white people, and they make a, a kind of a retarded movie about retarded, you know, redneck white people. Yeah. But no one's really hip to that except for people that maybe a little bit more like, what do you call it? Um, what do you call it? No one's like the people that understand that Ireland isn't that big of a deal. Huh. Like Ireland, Ireland's not that impressive of a place, right? At least I don't think so. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was actually thinking. I was thinking that. Um, it's, I was really thinking. I was thinking that, like, in a different context. I think about an hour ago. Like, I feel like there's kind of a dumb American thing, where people basically conflate Ireland with England, and they just think yeah. like, "Oh, yeah. this old Irish gentleman. He's basically like, you know, he's just an old English gentleman. There's no difference." It's yeah, just, no, it's, it's, it's this like isn't a strong difference. Yeah, it's, it's just like yeah, it's just like oh, they're both cozy, they're cozy old comfy gents with smoking a pipe. Like, it, it's this dumb aesthetic thing that doesn't that sort of misses the distinctive national characters and the totally. I think I think, I think Irish literature was like invented in like the twentieth century. You know what I mean? Or it was invented by like Bram Stoker with Dracula in the eighteen ninety seven. Yeah. It didn't really like. Have like a strong. I mean, there's other other like Lord Dunsany. I mean, there's always there's always like an antecedent, in like you know, in like the yeah. But I mean, you know, Irish is not their language. Payday was literally like yeah. First of all, they're speaking like the the language of the colonial oppressor. Yeah. And their and their and their heyday for their literary canon was when it was kind of like the peak of their you know colonial subjugation. And then ever since they got their freedom, they haven't really maintained that and uh they haven't maintained the glory and well, that's yeah. fine but well, it's not like a, it's not like a cool story ireland is not like this like you know it's not like scotland which has like a little bit of like medieval sort of triumph embroiled embroiled in it hmm. you know ireland is kind of like a loser country yeah you know? i my, my opinion basically is that 
mean, you're talking about white people a little bit before. I think there's this weird sense where like Irish glib. people. I was being kind of. Flipped, what's that? Though. I was being flip or glib or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but but I think I think there was a sense. You know, everyone says like you know Irish and Italians only became white like in the early half of the 20th century or whatever. William Butler, Butler Yeats said that until yeah. the Battle of the Boyne, Ireland was part of Asia. That's crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, that's weird. But um, oh, I mean, he'd know yeah. better than I would, right? It was, I just think it was it was like it was a like a decidedly irrelevant country. Yeah. Um, the England sort of um, was glad could be played second fiddle to it. Yeah. Um, so that it made England seem a little bit better. Yeah. England, to be fair, England at times was you know questionable, had questionable relevance, but it it, it proved you know in in, in um, short in quick enough measure to be uh, a stronghold. Of, well, it's um, not to be a freaking world of, beater. Of I mean, of the Christ, of medieval Christendom, but like I don't think that, that Ireland. I mean, Ireland kind of preserved Christianity originally. Actually, that's kind of its. Well, that's the thing. Like, if we look at the if we if we zoom if we zoom in or out, like. It'll it'll have its shining hour, but you have to go back like centuries, no doubt. Whereas Britain's shining hour was well, way more recent. What? Yeah. They go back to millennia. Yeah, really. And, um, yeah. Well. Uh, the Abbey. There's the there was a famous Abbey of a Columba, I believe, that was established in Ireland. Yeah. And that was and those abbeys out there they preserved illuminated manuscript, the most iconic of which is the Book of Kells, and yeah. those kind of like kept. Christian theology and tradition and uh, literature um, preserved in kind of a nutshell sort of civilization. But um, yeah. but eventually the you know the English like didn't abandon that style and they actually changed up the style a lot deliberately because they didn't like um, the way the insular uh, monks uh, maintained their practice Christianity essentially. Yeah. And so the Anglo Saxons sort of sort of sort of stripped it bare and. Or just just sort of upgrade and redressed it, um, but huh. uh, so so it didn't last that long. The sort of glory phase in Irish history. Well, glory um, phases never do. But, but that was millennia ago. I mean, that's like what fifteen hundred plus years ago, right? Well, yeah. Ago. Well, I don't know. I think I think approximately. And then ever since then, they've sort of been playing second fiddle to England. They were invaded yeah. by the Vikings too, which isn't good because that means the pretty women get stolen and brought back to Sweden. And then yeah. everyone who's left is kind of you know you know you know is second pickings, um, and yeah, I mean, but but Ireland is interesting because it's a it, it's it's like it's it's a loser nation, but that's what makes it kind of interesting. It's hmm. it, it's it's a high grade version of a loser country. And yeah, that makes sense. Which England can be in the moment is like a, is a, in a spirit of irony, but Ireland I think is more fundamentally like that. Yeah. And um, that's what informs this film so much and makes it so appealing to the current, you know, uh, generation of viewership. Because audiences will see this film or on Netflix or whatever, they'll see it and they'll be like, oh, yes, this is what white people, all white people are. This is sort of like this, this distillate. It's sort of this um, um, marinated whiteness. It's not like, you know, plain vanilla, uncooked, like, you know, barely cooked whiteness. It's marinated it's 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 seasoned it's barrel aged whiteness right it's the kind of thing that yeah. is sort of you can condescend <laughs> to and that's why this film had so much success 
not really like the fucking dynamic between Coleman, um, uh, Padraig. Padraig. It was, it was, this, it was sort of what that culture represents to the modern, um, audience. And unfortunately, um, like they, they drink like these dark beers, you know, you, you'll notice this. Oh yeah. Just, I actually, <coughs> I actually like, like that. This, like, it's like this slightly hipster nod that they're doing where they're trying to get you to appreciate that they don't just drink whiskey. They drink, you know, like, you know, brewery ale. All the, like no, the, that's not what that – no, they were drinking Guinness. That's what they were doing. It, was, it wasn't actually Guinness. It was, probably, it was probably a homemade, you know, like it was probably a different stout. You know, I think – I mean, this might be anachronistic or whatever. I might just be totally wrong. But I really like – I really like Guinness. It's like my favorite – quote beer or whatever yeah you also play like coca-cola too yeah Budweiser. yeah so, exactly but well, my, my my point is that like Red. yeah my point is that when watch and, and mcdonald's my point is that when watching that i feel like <laughs> i heard yellow yeah yeah all, all the basic default Anything normal that makes your thing. teeth yellow and looks red <laughs> yeah um black coffee in a red cup red solo cup um but I, I think I recall the bartender saying like Guinness, so I don't I don't think it was like this. Oh, it was actually like uttered. Yeah, I, I think so. Okay, that makes that makes me like it, like like one, like ten percent less, because the fact mm. that they were just on, on the nose drinking Guinness as if it were like never, as if in like the nineteen whatever like what what time is this anyway? I think it was nineteen ten approximately. Yeah, like even as if a hundred and ten years ago, they. Would like would only drink Guinness, and that's all. Like, I mean, I, they, there's other, there's like Murphys, there's other like even now there's like alternatives to Guinness. That yeah, support. but like I don't know. Well, I know I know they've been brewing it for a long time, but I have no idea whether it was like this monoculture drink way that's back what then. I'm saying. I, I think that kind of ruins some of some of the veneer. But that's that's what I well that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Weirdly, the I don't really mind. The facade of the film is sort of frayed for me because it's like, what? Well, okay, yeah. I thought they were like cooking that stuff in the basement. Well, the, exactly, exactly. Like, See, it's like commercial yeah. culture. I mean, I don't, I don't think we really, or I certainly don't really know the details of 1910s like Irish islands and their life and culture. But I want the movie, I want the movie to do some interesting stuff, like two or three things that make me think, like, oh wow, this is like. Oh wow! Oh, of course they do it like that back then. Oh wow, the olden times are different, aren't they? And just the lack of that was what I—that's what I was missing. That's you know. And I think yeah, you're kind they of didn't, they didn't really have a lot of gimmicks, and it was it was understated, um, or like you know, unadorned. Some I think you you would view it like as threadbare, but I I viewed it more as like unadorned. They were trying to be yeah. not pretentious, and they wanted to make want to be all stagey and yeah, it like you're watching in a playhouse with. Minimal yeah. sets. Yeah, budget. and that's yeah. that's a good point. I mean, like I said Stressing. before, like I alluded to before, I kind of have like a a nostalgia fetish, which is probably not good for movies to pander to. Like the point, obviously, is not that it takes place in this time place. It's just a good story, and everything else is kind of superficial window dressing. So, yeah, the window dressing is uh, it, uh, this is this is a weird film because it's um. It's sort of a film. It's it's a it's like a way. It's like a there's an element of a trace element of Beckett. It's got this yeah. way for Godot, um, um, it does, interaction, yeah. and it almost seems like you know if they drank a little more, they would start to talk like the characters in that play as well. 
know, they would just sort of, you know, ramble and repeat the same sort of um, non-vocabulary. And yeah, this movie was kind of like trying to, it was kind of a, a pedestrian attempt at that. And I think yeah, it succeeded, exactly. but I just, I don't think, I think it sort of seceded from its, from the style as well. Yeah, I agree. It well, because I, I, it's a contradiction in terms to make like a, a Hollywood Beckett. It's like you can't, you know, the whole Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. Contradiction in terms. However, did you like the, um, the performances? Um, yeah, I think they were, they were good. I mean, like I said, I kind of got hung up on what the actors looked like, but I, I they're, they're good acting. I mean, another little thing is, um, I did feel sometimes the dialogue was anachronistic and that kind of bothered me. And, and to contrast this, like the lighthouse, for example, that's always a threat. Yeah. The light in the lighthouse, the dialogue just is so, it sounds so freaking much like it's time and place. And I really well, the appreciate lighthouse, that. Little... Yeah. Is, is, is a more, uh, faithful, uh, period yeah. piece. And the light, but the lighthouse is also a lot more gay. Like you were saying gay earlier. Yeah. I felt like the lighthouse yeah. had this homosexual sort of, well, well, yeah. I mean, not, yeah. and in this yeah. film, at least it was like sort of people were like, you know, emotionally contained. Well, it's about friendship, you know? Yeah. Well, that's it's not I mean. about, it's not about these weird Oedipal dynamics and their, backfires or whatever yeah i mean in in the lighthouse what was what robert pattinson is the younger one willem dafoe is the and willem one. dafoe but willem dafoe is sort of this gnarly guy with a funny accent that he never drops and it's always very on point um however yeah. willem dafoe is kind of like a like a like low i think he might have some sort of obsession they're kind of obsessed with each other and um yeah and which is weird because not only do they cohabitate, but they actually do the same job they do. And they have to do like, you know, dozens of different tasks every day. It seems like, um, <laughs> whereas in this film, they don't cohabitate at all and they don't really share the same profession. Yeah. Um, I think Cole might actually have been retired in that movie. Yeah. We Invention. never really see him doing anything. He just kind of, Lives but don't you high. understand that it's called the Banshees of In Sharon, and that means of the Banshees of Ed Sharon, and that means that the uh, yeah. he's 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 bringing he's using his imagination as a composer to bring a renewed vitality in his community, and so when he sets when there's this, this drama where he sets the house on fire and he cuts his hand, or even earlier when he cuts well, his fingers, I off, think Parag sets the house. Isn't on fire. that kind of like the? Um, like they became the banshees. They're embodying the banshees. They're inventing uh, yeah. that. They're inve inventing it for the, the island. It's not mm. like the banshees uh, have ever existed anywhere, right? It's a fictional yeah. logical construct, but they can be sort of reified by human endeavor. Yeah. And don't you think that that's kind of what the point of the movie was? A little was that they they. Be they in, they kind of engendered the banshees themselves. I I do get that like Sisyphusian uh, dynamic that like sometimes life is so boring you literally like have to cut your fingers off and set the house on fire and like just to have something to talk about just because like geez yeah. it's like something at least something happened like I've actually felt that I feel like I felt that in life like like wait, quote, wait, what did you well I mean we've all felt that that's why it's that's why it was a really oh, exactly picture. yeah. But but however, I, why do you think the um he yeah. didn't want to be? I never understood why he just refused 
to talk to him at all. Well, he, he says it basically. He says that Pyrig is really boring. And sure. he says that his life is short. And he, he has an inkling in himself of greatness. Perhaps he's completely deluded, but maybe not. Um, and he wants to foster that inkling. And he, so he can't waste time like talking with this idiot for like four hours a day. Like, yeah, I, I've had that you, with say, some people. Why not, just, where, like, why not just maintain distance uh, and then limit the conversation? I mean, that's what anyone would do, right? It was just Well, that's the like, thing. Okay. I would say, yeah, why, do you, why not just be like, you know... I think the movie wants us to think like, oh, this guy just won't, he won't stop badgering Colm. But that, that's why the movie seemed kind of weak to me. Like you really, you do really have to resort to like mutilating your, yourself. Like, no, I think, I think it's, it's a modern, like, I think there are people in the modern times that are kind of like Colm. And yet in, in yeah. reality, like, I don't know if they would ever go as far as Colm. Yeah. And in, in 1910, I, I don't think Colm would have existed. But I think there are modern people that are just dumb enough that they would not really have a good strategy for this kind of thing. And they, they wouldn't ghosting yeah. their friends, you know? Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to like, they just, not... ghost, they have, they're not socially tactful. And so yeah. they just end up ghosting people when they get like, they perceive any slight or any, any, um, any dis- inkling of disinterest or any yeah. threat for, of, uh, of abandonment. They just sort of get, or, or a threat of, of time waster, wastrelhood or whatever. So like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there are a lot of people, like I was, I was kind of invited to go on a podcast uh, and talk about uh, yeah. friendship breakups, where you like, you break up with a friend and then like agree uh, to yeah. disagree and not talk to them. I was invited yeah. to go on a podcast and discuss that in certain instances and uh, in my life. And I, uh, those certain instances are, um, what do you call it? Uh, usually what happens is one of the friends just gets ex- exceptionally impatient. Yeah. And it, like, cause you, so I'll have, I'll have friends where they're like, we we're like bitter enemies. We're frenemies, but we'll still maintain contact as like, as a position of honor. Right. As a, as, as, Damn, a, as a position that's of cool. honoring the 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 drama let's say but then you have friends that like <laughs> you don't really have that that like you know brewing yeah. conflict all the time but those friends are more likely to just sort of you know like delete your phone number and then block it or whatever yeah and then and ghost yeah. you and you kind of wonder about who maybe that they're not good they're just not good people kind of yeah and and then you kind of have to just settle with that like yeah not a good person yeah, well, that's a good way to low-key a scumbag, right? And that's yeah. where these sort of friendship breakups happen. They happen on moral grounds. They don't really happen on 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 grounds of like of of like politics. They happen on grounds of like really a, like a moral failing on one person's part. Damn. Yeah. No, dude. I I um I could really I could really speak a lot to I could speak a lot to that because I've you can't? I. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of quote. Well, they haven't been friend breakups, but I've basically done that thing, um, you know, of just sort of, well, not not exactly ghosting people, but like really not wanting to talk to someone and sort of either just telling them that, which is always like freaky, or just um, and it is it's just bizarre rejecting. Can you someone. say good? Can you say good things about this film? Because I know yeah. you don't entirely hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And you know yeah. that the director was a playwright for some some period before. Well, that's right? that's got that's got cachet. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the um, I think like you were saying earlier, there's a kind of economy to things, which is very. It sort of speaks to a playwright's sensibility, and it also um, it just makes the there's kind of an elegance to that. Like like, and there are these little details that are sort of gratifying to notice, like um, that that kid that depressed kid um, who's playing with that like stick or something. And the one who kills himself. Yeah, just just like all the, all the ambiguity around him. Well, that's the thing. We don't even know if he killed himself or if he slipped or if the witch pushed him. Those right. little details, they build, they're very spare, but they build to a, um, they build to a rhythm in a very elegant, um, very elegant way. So I appreciate that. Did you, did you appreciate the island? Yeah, and of course, although, yeah, just the beauty of Can I be Ireland. honest with you, man? Can I, can I be honest with you? Yeah. Uh, not to cut you off so much, but just Fine. I wanted to say this. Uh, mm. The island's beautiful, sure, but like, I thought that he was, his, his wife was his, like, I thought his sister was his wife. Yeah. I didn't realize, and I didn't realize that he was kind of like this incel, you know? Like, I yeah. thought he, he had like a boring marriage where he didn't want to have sex. I didn't think that he was like that himself. quite that down low. Yeah. Yeah. But then you find out that he just like, he, he lives with his sister and they have like this sort of odd sort of, um, uh, uh, like kind of love hate dynamic. Um, yeah. that's sort of, that's sort of secondary compared to the one between him and Colm. And you just, and then she leaves because she's yeah. also extremely displeased and, and bored. Yeah. And I mean, they're all dissatisfied, but she seems like she had like some smarts about it. Yeah, and she's going to do something so she, about when it. When she leaves, it's the fulcrum point that sort of allows the, um, well, it's, it's, it's the inflection point that, in the fulcrum that allows Colm and uh, Pyrig to um, recon, yeah. reconnoiter. But, but I think that that's also what kind of makes it a gayer kind of thing. Like, that the girl leaves and then that these two friends become closer. <laughs> In a, in a bombastic sort of fashion, and, it, and of course, you know, it's his, it's her sister, it's his sister that leaves. Yeah. She's his sister, right? Yeah. Whatever. She's his sister. But yeah. I didn't know that until like the tail end. So I thought that his wife. He 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 fills the void by hanging out with Colm again. So I thought it was a little kind of homo erotic or something or homo Well, yeah, I mean. And uh, that's kind of the thing I didn't like about the movie because I didn't understand. Yeah. But it was also a misconstruction on my part, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff yeah. like that in modern films, I think. Like, uh, there's a lot of sort of undertones of like you know, sexual failing in modern films. Yeah. Like, I was watching a TV show where the main character just like can't really get laid, but then he's yeah. also like still the main character. You know, yeah. um, I've seen that. There's a couple shows like that. There, where and I think those shows kind of they kind of seem to be more, more and more popular, and it, yeah. I'm a little disturbed by it. And this movie is kind of it's no it's no exception to that trend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just statistically speaking, I feel like people are kind of lonelier and they're sort of shacking up less. So maybe that's reflected in films. I don't know. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of disturbing. 
Well, what's disturbing, I think, is this uh, this kind of anti-life atmosphere. You know, it's kind of this more. It's like worship of morbid oh, you're, you're, things. You're, you're being really like. You're being really like. Do you think that's the problem? Is that it was like bleak? When no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about the movie. I'm not talking about the movie. We're, 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 okay, just just like the, the, the true grit. You want to move on the true grit for contrast? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, we we agree that exceptional scenery in Banshees of Insurin. Yeah. Uh, the acting is quite good. Yeah. The um, it's it's a well crafted film. Yeah. Um, it's a little too, it, it's a little hermaphroditic in whether or not it's meant to be a play or meant to be on the West End or where whether or not it's a Broadway kind of deal or whether or not it's a you know a Hollywood blockbuster. Like you don't really know what what its purpose is. It's multi purpose. Um, yeah. One size fits all, right? Yeah, I, I will um, say I will say I agree with you that it was it was definitely a better contender for best picture than um, the whale than everything everywhere all at once. I haven't seen the whale. I oh, uh, you should watch the whale because that guy is actually gay in there. Yeah. But then again, but that's the thing. Yeah, explicitly gay, but then he's just a loner. So whereas implicitly gay, and then he has friends. I don't know. The whole thing is too sexualized. <laughs> Uh, I think I think these whole thing, these movies are so sexualized, and I think uh, everything everywhere all at once. The reason why people liked it perhaps was because it wasn't sexualized, despite mm. ostensibly being about a lesbian kind of um, relationship in the background. Yeah. The movie was so kinetic and about uh, mundane sort of action sequences that had no real logical value. That, that it didn't, yeah. everything everywhere all at once appealed to people's sort of desire for materiality and fun. Mm. And, yeah, uh, sort of... it wasn't sort of this like psychoanalytic and yeah. you know, trick. Yeah. Although I think it would have been a better film if it were, right? I think. That yeah, was I think. Yeah, film. it was a yeah. giant music video. I, and I Banshee agree. should have gotten Best Picture, or at least maybe um one of the the the, the Fentimans movie with the Spielberg one. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but you know, something more wholesome. Um, yeah. I mean, everything, everywhere, all the all at once, are not going to even review because it was so uh, uh, tedious and and childish. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think the the moral message in it was so mid or even yeah. subpar yeah. that that I the, the film itself could never be good because the the, the more moral of the, of the whole plot was really kind of atrocious. Yeah, um, atrociously, you know, you know, unoriginal. Yeah. It was a half-need story. It was like, oh, this woman has to accept yeah. her daughter's, you know, emergent sexuality. Okay, who cares? You know, we, we've seen a yeah. hundred things like that. It's a subplot in everything nowadays, yeah. or it has been for the last 30 yeah. years. No one cares. Yeah. But then they just dress it up yeah. in this sort of, like, Korean, this you know, multiverse. And there's, there's <laughs> a science fiction, you know, um, yeah. uh, dopiness that they get into when you're... you're and you're supposed to feel like edified somehow because it's science fiction. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the rare movies I saw with my parents when I was visiting yeah. them. Yeah. And I will say this: I uh, my I only watched it because my dad told me it was a science fiction film. And then we ended oh, up yeah. seeing it in theater, the local Sequoia in Mill Valley. Oh yeah. And and I uh, I hated it because I I knew instantly it wasn't really a science fiction film. Yeah, some sort of some sort of like experimental music video that just the, 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 where the director never killed themselves. And, they <laughs> and I think this movie, the movie, the movie had like 
two directors too. It was like a really yeah, oddly did. constructed. Project. No, it, it it was shot. I feel like a lot of movies these days are shot like uh, they're shot like car commercials. They look like they look like uh, you know, ads for Progressive. They have this yeah, like, it looks like yeah. I mean, basically, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character was like a a, a yeah. sex down version of Flo. Like I, I was kind of halfway expecting Flo to just show up in that movie in the office yeah. as some sort of clerk, like in the, in, in the newsroom or whatever. Whatever it is, the or the IRS uh, offices, the IRS, the, one of the accountants, or what's the one that uh, mailroom in the mailroom? But they oh, don't have yeah. mail. No, it's all it's all did. it's all paperless. It's all it's all anachronistic, really. Those yeah. offices, by the way, are like very anachronistic. Um, yeah. That was yeah, the other yeah. thing about that movie was that they were like. They were they were they were playing into this sort of like '90s corporate nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. That just doesn't it doesn't really like you know sing true anymore. But yeah. I mean, it wasn't corporate. Admittedly, it was like, you know well, governmental. But yeah, that's basically the IRS is like the the joke was this like Dilbert esque like. Yeah, it was it was like uh, it was Dilbert for stupid. Oh, people. Oh. Anyway, but it was uh, even like cheesier. Okay, enough griping. Moving on. Enough yeah. griping about about. About, about the worst movie of the year yeah. we, can, we can okay we went from the best movie of the year to the worst movie of the year now let's talk about a movie that has nothing to do with any year um, <laughs> not even the year it was released in ladies and gentlemen the 1969 <laughs> true grit vis-a-vis yes. the 2012 what was it, 2014 true grit remake yeah i can't it was after 2010 one. before 2015 okay and the true grit remake uh, it's good to be fair it's fairly faithful in a lot of respects yeah. it wasn't yeah. like a shit show but it, it just had this problem where like, I don't really like Jeff Bridges I yeah. don't understand why he's playing a John Wayne um, yeah. role yeah. The, the, the original John Wayne role I don't it didn't really see the overlap Jeff Bridges is not like that scary yeah. of a guy and admittedly John Wayne isn't either but <laughs> but yeah. John Wayne was never really portrayed as scary but it, you could tell with the angles of the camera and the lighting and sort of the, even the, the, the dialogue language that they're trying to make Jeff Bridges um, sort of menacing or intimidating at least in this remake. Yeah. And it just it didn't work. It, it just it was it, they were missing the point. Yeah, they're missing. The point was that the guy isn't like this big old gruff guy who can kind of like the point was that he was sort of like a questionable, like oh, you know, kind of lovable loser character. And then he ends up being hero. But in, in the remake, they make him seem almost like he, you already know he's going to be a strong character. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I, and that's a subtle point. I mean, I've only seen the original, but I, I remember in the original, he seems like... I mean, no, he does seem like he's pretty obviously a badass from the get-go. <clears throat> but he does seem... Yeah, he, he seems kind of a, a mix between good and evil, maybe. Maybe not, not, not that reliable, not that trustworthy. I mean, you know he's gonna be because it's back in the day. But uh. well, this is the thing: is that um, it was 2010, 2010. Yeah. And it was Coen Brothers, of course. Mm-hmm. I actually reviewed this film for my Coen Brothers tier ranking video that I did oh. a few days, maybe you know earlier this week, a few days ago. I don't know. But I yeah. did like literally like less than a week ago, and um. I said that this True Great wasn't that bad of a film, and I still stand by it. It's not that bad of a film. It's just not excellent. Yeah. And for, there's a, way too many close-ups. 
which yeah. I admit is like we live in, in ADHD times we, with the smartphones, with the apps, with the yeah. TikTok. We need people, the YouTube shorts, all of that. We mm. need people that can like, you know, we need people to look at faces as intensely as possible. <laughs> like overemphasize the faces, overemphasize with the faces. And so they're doing all these close-ups. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I don't I don't think I don't think it fits the, the vibe of a Western. I think Westerns you have to appreciate scenery. The Cullen brothers are not yeah. very good when it comes to the old West with, with the scenery. Yeah. I know they've done it before with their so I know they're doing it kind of consciously. Oh, with Buster Scruggs, was that them? That was later on. Yeah, but that was them, yeah. Uh but uh, I'm thinking more um Stuff like uh, maybe Miller's Crossing or what's that one? Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. That was kind of one that was more scenic. Yeah. This movie is not that. It's not very scenic. Yeah. And they have a lot of like shots of like really good scenery, and they don't emphasize the scenery. Yeah. And um, it's sort of it's sort of a wasted effort. It feels like it feels. Yeah. Like, um, that, and I remember seeing this in theaters in 2010, and I remember having that exact um a problem with it even then. So it's yeah. not me. It's it, you know, ten years ago, I, I thought the same thing yeah. that I think now. Um, well, I mean, you could be wrong both times. I don't think you are, though. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it. I would be wrong after ten years. I think I would have been able to, like, you know, reevaluate. Oh, this. you'd be able to step back and kind of take another yeah, look. Yeah, after that length of time, of course. Yeah. It has some modification to it, and I have no modification to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see how you would want to focus on it sometimes. Focus on the close-up sometimes, like like Paul Thomas Anderson does it. It's usually effective. Yeah. But with with when you're doing a western, it just it seems like you're avoiding the the nature, which is kind of the whole premise of yeah western film. It, it really film. yeah it, it really is. It Sorry, to keep interrupting. Yeah, I think you're completely right. The whole Josh Brolin also is not a convincing villain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's too likable. I noticed <laughs> that every time he plays a bad guy, it doesn't work. He's just a little too likable. That's pretty um, funny. And I don't remember what Matt Damon was doing. Uh, I don't think it was that um, special. Yeah. Uh, Matt Damon is in a lot of stuff, and he's a welcome appearance. Yeah. But, he, he, but he's basically a glorified cameo in this movie. Jeez. From what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the original, though, I mean, the original is also got some similar problems. Hmm. The difference with the original is that the girl character is less physical. Yeah. But she's a lot more bratty, whereas mm. this girl it doesn't really have is really bad with her word choice. You know, like she's not she's not eloquent. She's not she doesn't talk a lot, and she and and, and she isn't um. She's not she's not charismatic, but she uh she's kind of more physically involved, and that's sort of how she carries her weight. Oh yeah. In the original, the girl was a lot more of a personality, and I I kind of don't know which one I would prefer really. But I think you have to kind of lean towards personality at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think personality is definitely bigger than physicality. Physicality is fun, but it's not a, it doesn't win. You know, it doesn't beat it, I, I think. I don't know. I haven't seen both movies, though. I've only seen the old one. I oh, you speak. haven't seen? Well, you saw the original a long time, the remake a long time ago. Yeah, I did, yeah. but it was a long time ago. But it still um, counts, dude. You don't don't say you haven't seen it. You've oh, seen it. sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was so long, I may as well. But um, yeah, I I barely. Well, I what I what they famous what they did in the original, which is kind of neat, is that uh they introduced the he she needs to, to um you know do this whole this whole errand and she needs the marshal to help her. 
And so she asks, which, like, you know, who should I, where can I find the marshal? And the guy's like, well, there's three different marshals. And he names them. And he's like, this guy is the, you know, the best. This guy is the, the fastest. <laughs> and then this guy's like the meanest. Oh, and she's yeah. like, okay, I'll go with the meanest one. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice little touch, then. But it, what it really is, it's like, a, it's, it's a reference to the good, bad, and the ugly. Oh. It's the same sort of concept, isn't it? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... And uh, Mar- Marguerite Roberts was her- oh, no, that's the writer. Hmm. Kim Darby was the woman's name. Glenn Kim. Yeah, and she's in dr- she's more androgynous in the first one, surprisingly. Yeah, I know I noticed that it was kind of it was kind of interesting, but I guess that's uh I don't know you know it makes sense I suppose. Um, I don't want to go harping on time again, but you, you know, know he got he he got his best actor's um Oscar for this for the original. John Wayne. John Wayne did. It was, I think, his only Oscar for for acting. Who? John Wayne got his oh, Best Actors uh, uh, Award. Wow! And he got the sta- golden little golden statue. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and uh, um, do you think he deserved it for this film in particular? Or do you think it was more of like a an acknowledgement of his career? Um, I don't know if it's either. I mean, when I when I saw it, the acting was good. The the script was pretty interesting, pretty dramatic. The the stakes were always going higher and higher, you know. John Wayne was a likable hero. Uh, he was charismatic. He was interesting. But I don't know. I mean, I don't – I hate to say I'm not. I'm not really – I don't really notice stellar acting that often. Uh, and the weird thing is, you know, if it's really good, you kind of don't notice it, you know, right? I mean, I know That's it's like – it's, it's kind of a cliche, take, but – It's easy to take great acting for granted. Yeah. And the other thing is that you probably don't watch this from the lens of 1969. Yeah. Um, which I think it was. Yeah. In 1969, um, that kind of character wasn't really that, like, so much of a trope as it is now. Sort of this, like, kind of lovable loser clown hero. Yeah. That kind of, it, it, that's a little bit more of a trope now because you got all these, you know, um, yeah. uh, buddy cop films and you have these um, sort of, uh, uh, what, are they, what do they call them when there's, like, a big celebrity cast? Uh, oh, I don't know. A-lister thing. They have these movies where they have like a a cast of where it's like you know six different A-listers in like Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, right? You know they or have like a Mission Impossible where they'll have like a a a team and like everyone on the team is pretty famous. Like the the Avengers does this too, you know. So like you have a lot of movies now where it's like a star-studded cast. I think that's the term. Yeah, that's it. Star studded, but they also have another term. I I can't remember. Ensemble cast. That's mm. the other term. They have these ensemble casts, and the, uh, where there's like a lovable loser who's like really physical. But in '69, that kind of character existed in a lot of comedy films. But in in a movie that wasn't like a comedy, I don't know if that would have been like as much of a, a character that as a lead character. Um, yeah. So this was really kind of focus, focusing on like the frailty of man with this film. Mm. Um, and that's why he got the Oscars because he was a kind of this frail hero mm. that was that was doubt was doubtable, dubious, right? He you could really doubt his uh, his his proclivity for like getting the job done. Mm. Um, and there's something you know Shakespearean about that, I guess. Yeah. But it's like it's very human. But in westerns, it wasn't extreme. It wasn't always like you know, like if you look at we talked about Liberty Valance before. 
you know, when when he plays Tom in Liberty Valance, he's way less questionable, right? He's he's kind of like a paragon of virtue. Yeah. In this in this one, he's not a paragon of virtue. He's precisely the opposite, and that's exactly why he's so um, sympathetic. And when he does succeed, you 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 become you kind of swell up with more emotion because mm, yeah, because he's more. It's just more realistic or something. It's more, kind of. a, it's more of a victory. Yeah. It's it's a stronger victory. Yeah. It's more punctuated, and um, whereas. Uh, um, I think in 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 um in the the remake of True Grit, I, I think Jeff Bridges is already typecasted as that guy. Yeah, so, like with the Big Lebowski, famously, or there's yeah. a, a show now called The Old Man, but that was that's now. Back then, he was, he was known for other things like Big Lebowski, where he was like this loser that ends up saving the day any despite himself, yeah. despite the odds, you know. Um, but John Wayne wasn't typecasted as that. Yeah. Person. So for him to play that role was sort of humbling. Yeah. And um, and I think people sympathize with the character more given that wider context. So, yeah. Don't, so you, in light of that, do you think he deserves the Oscar for, because of sort of the change in direction? Well, that's the thing. I mean, what you're talking about sounds like a good casting choice and a good like writing choice. But like, I don't know if the actor deserves credit for being in the right place at the right time. You know. I mean, I don't want to be like a, a stingy, but um, that's the weird. Think, do you not appreciate acting? I feel like there's, there's more to goes into acting that you might be considering. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, but I think like I didn't, I didn't notice his fidelity to that like uncommon kind of persona, you know, or his like how how much he lived up to it. It didn't it didn't really stand out for me. And like you're saying, I don't really appreciate the full historical context, nor like what he kind of represented before he took this role and how it changed him, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it didn't, I think you're probably right. I just didn't really notice it. Um, and I, yeah, it's been about a month or so since I saw the movie. So I might just have just forgotten, but I mean, I think you did a good do job. You, do you, so, okay. So in light of, yeah. Um, a, 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 a well-qualified decent performance. Yeah. Um, do you think John Wayne's, uh, shootout at the end was um was a uh, classic or do you think that that it, um the jeff bridges one was probably just as uh, worth worthwhile well i remember I, I mean even though it was more recent i i remember being kind of like i remember being impressed by that shootout it really seemed exciting it really seemed like just kind of like interesting and and just cool it was it was just great it was really good yeah you're, you're you're dead on i think when i saw it in 2010 yeah i remember watching that shootout and despite it being jeff bridges kind of awkwardly doing it i sort of was like you know this is why this movie was remade oh that's interesting because of this scene i remember thinking that like because I, hmm. I i think my parents told me that oh this movie's a remake of a, of a classic western I'm like, All right, that's whatever. very perceptive and then, um and then i watched it and i'm like okay this is why this movie's remade because of this scene because everything else in the movie was like you know it was just it was sort of felt like filler added upon filler with a little bit more filler yeah here and there it was all it was all like sort of unnecessary i mean you could kind of just boil it down to that one scene and and but that wouldn't be a movie would it but that's just kind of how the drama felt like well, it really, yeah. it was a little too it was a little too back ended, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I'm I, I agree actually. I mean again though, I'm I'm talking about the I'm talking about the the sixty nine version. They're, no, they're both they both have that problem. And that's why I was saying before yeah. in, in the beginning of the podcast, I don't like 
Yeah. I don't really want to talk about these movies because I don't That's really funny. like the plot. The plot to both to, to either film, remake or original, is not my favorite plot in for for a western. Yeah. Probably for any for any kind of movie. Like it reminds me a little too much of Taken, those cheesy Liam Neeson films that just sort of came and went. <laughs> it reminds me of those. There's like what four or five of them now. I don't yeah. know. It, it reminds yeah. me of that. It's like you know this girl is sort of helpless and and foolish, and then mm. this this sort of buffoon drunken buffoon has to kind of like show her the ropes and like inevitably save her life mm. um i just i feel like that was what is this like a you know a surrogate for fatherhood like what's the message didn't get i didn't i don't like i think the message is a little uh too mixed up in maybe the uh the politics from the 60s mm. right? it, 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 it felt like there's like the failure of man was kind of a theme but yeah it, uh, it I, works when it works but it doesn't work very often that's the problem yeah i mean i'm i'm more fixated on i think we were talking about with the pacing or i don't even know if you call it the pacing but just the way the movie is structured such that like it's pretty boring until the end where it's like awesome but then it's just like like you said like it took way too long to get to that point and it was just a bunch of like bickering in the wilderness and like you know bells clanking on horses and just these tedious arguments um and yeah i think you have a point there too i mean i think oh yeah well you see that a lot in the westerns um is that there's arguments with between you know two guys on horse about where they're gonna ride or one guy's on the horse he's yelling at some guy who's not on the horse for being too slow or (laughs) you know he didn't he didn't set up camp quickly or you know he didn't cook enough coffee for the crew like there's always there's always like arguments in these westerns and yeah you really have the only other genre that does this to the point where it's like nauseating is, is noir films. <laughs> and um, you see this in comedies a lot too, but in comedies, I think you're more, it's more like expected. Yeah. Kind of wide eyes, wide eyes open. You eyes don't really open. care about what's happening in your comedy as long as it's funny. Like they could be doing any boring old thing. You don't really care. Like, well, they're really, they're, yeah. They're really kind of sexing, uh, sexing up the, uh, the argument in comedies to make them lighter, daintier. Yeah. And uh, more, um, kind of more memorable because they have this crisp humor added. Whereas when it's uh, you just started to sound kind of weird. Um, I just missed the last like two seconds. Of what you said? Can you talk again? Sorry. I, I got to hang up and call back. Hold up. Hold up. Are there? Dang, I can't hear it all now. Hello? Nah, it's 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 a different kind of messed up. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I can I can barely. It's like so it's so garbled and weird. I can try calling you from my computer, but I do think the problem. What? I think the problem might be on your end, but. I will try calling you from my computer and we will see what happens. Hold up. Um,
Yeah, this movie is, is really good craftsmanship for a, you know, motion picture. Undeniable. I do kind of like that um, a short round actor was in this, although I didn't even know it was him, frankly, until the award ceremonies. And then they all kind of, you know, the Hollywood reporter starts blabbing about how he couldn't get a role for like 20 years. And you just sort of like don't, it goes in through in one year out the other kind of like, who cares? But then I saw an interview with him, and he seemed kind of chill for a guy that hadn't had to work in 20 years. But he also seemed kind of crazy. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced that like 
that particular short round actor. He's also in the Goonies as a kid. He was a child star. I'm not convinced that he like made this film any better. There he is, right there. Um, I'm not convinced that he helped the movie that much. I, he was kind of a uh, a weak um, character actor, and I think if they had someone else, maybe the film would have been more enjoyable for me. And again, I didn't even know he was short round or the the character from the Goonies. I just didn't think he was very good at it. And the irony is, he got his a uh, best supporting act, male supporting actor award, right? Best Supporting Actor Award, he got that. And uh, at the, at the uh, Academy Awards, just sort of like, just seemed like a fucking, you know, booby prize, kind of. Um, I'm not a big fan of Daniels. And this movie was directed by two guys named Daniel. And it was written by those same two guys named Daniel. I'm not really crazy about it. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just... Yeah, and then you had this thing where the daughters are lesbians. And of course, Jenny Slate is probably not a lesbian. She was on uh, Saturday Night Live, and I don't know, I just suspect she isn't. Or Stephanie Sue, or whatever. But they had this weird thing where they're like trying to like give them like leather jackets, have, and they're hanging out in bars, talking about lesbian stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Like what? What's the angle? Like, are you trying to like promote lesbianism? Like, I just didn't understand. I mean, I they they want you to think that like it's like oh this is what they were born as or something, and the mom was like played the mom's played by Michelle Yeoh. The mom was like none the wiser, and then only when they were adults did she find out, and she couldn't still couldn't accept it. That's the whole movie. But I think it's like, aren't you using all these sound effects and and visual effects to like, you know, distract us from the reality that maybe she could have just had better tact about the way she dealt with her daughter. Like, I, I I mean, she didn't have to, like, go from, like, you know, denying the sexuality of her daughter to, like, full-on embracing it. She could have found some kind of middle ground, surely. But this movie sort of skirts around that because it has all these weird, you know, physics you know, quandary scenes and um, sort of dance montages. And, and then, of course, there's, like, there's, like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is trying to kill Michelle Yeoh the entire time, and she's always this like shape shifting monster. The, and the whole thing, the thing is very psychological, but it's like, which is what it was, which what which is what it did well was it conveyed inner psychology quite well, and like some of the better music videos that are out there in um you know twenty twenty whatever. But I just felt like um there was a stu inherent stupidity on the part of Michelle Yeoh's character whose name was Evelyn, Evelyn Wong, there is an inherent stupidity that they never really addressed. And I think that the fact that they didn't address it is like, is a sign that, that we, we are living in troubled times a little. Like, couldn't you just tell her to do what to do? She couldn't find like the natural course of action. She had to like have a psychotic break where she thought she was a shape-shifting you know, uh, time demon. Uh, surely that doesn't happen to every single person who has to confront some sort of difference in her daughter's sexuality. So this, and I know that they're trying, they're playing into the traditional, you know, um, immigrant kind of mindset. But even then, I think that's sort of a, a cheap, um, uh, as a scapegoat, and a little insulting to immigrant um, 
communities, although to be fair, there are probably people more like that in immigrant communities than naturalized ones, but I don't think it was ex as extreme as they made it seem in this film. Or at least only in the only in the more extreme cases, I, I would guess, but not uh, uniformly. So this film, for what it's worth, which is sort of, um, it was a slice of life film, but it was one that was like extremely psychological and extremely sort of testosterone driven for like the psycho psychologism in the film it, it it had it had a lot of sort of if ands or buts um in my i mean that's how it appeared to me like it had, it, it it seemed like a very unusual circumstance um that was sort of dressed up to be you know a generalizable experience but for me it felt like a very unusual circumstance that anyone would consider Because we already talked about it. This is a big night. This is a big night. 
conspiratorial masterpieces. But then there's other keys. There's supposed to be a real sin. Tom, you guys are nice. From the discussions on the Western cinema, because they're very, 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 Let's look what it is, and then we can end the pod. We're good. Cry Macho. I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see that just as in, or the Mule or whatever these recent films were. I'm not a big fan of his directorial style. Um, I never really have been, but I respect his 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 pro prolificness he's made and he's also a, a bay area native and it shows up i think in his personal style um as an artist a film artist he also can compose um for some of these films so he's a well-rounded um creative guy um as you would expect for you know a, a 90 year old genius 92 year old genius uh, mystic river i didn't know he did that one i have to watch that Blood work, I might have to watch that too. Invictus is kind of whatever. Grand Torino is interesting. Um, Changeling, Letters from Geo, Flags are Flowers. Great concepts, boring plots, boring execution. True Crime, never saw that one. Bridges of Madison County, Unforgiven. Eventually, I'll do a tier ranking for all of these Clint Eastwood films. Heartbreak Ridge, that one might be kind of. Um, curious. Um, Hail Rider, Sudden Impact. Oh yeah, well, obviously the Dirty Harry ones are are a lot of fun. Uh, High Plains Drifter. So he did. This is his first um, real di directorial um, production in the Western genre. And 1973, High Plains Drifter, Clint Eastwood, Verna Bloom, Mariana Hill. And then he did, three years later, it got 94 right away, which was pretty good. Three years later, he did another Western, his sophomore Western, called The Outlaw Josie Wales, which will also have to kind of watch in full. And that stars Clint Eastwood Chief Dan George and Sandra Locke. I believe this one actually has um, so relatively sophisticated portrayals of um, Native Americans, um, for the time especially, but also just overall. Uh, it has, you know nuanced portrayals on Native Americans in the Wild West. Uh, Honky Tonk Man, Firefox. One of these, Bronco Billy was a uh, a comedy. I might watch clips from that because it could, it could really well round the perspective on these movies, on these West, these Clint Eastwood Westerns. Um, these Clint Eastwood directed Westerns. Uh, so I'll watch clips from Bronco Billy and maybe even any other thing in Clint Eastwood because eventually I'm going to do a tier ranking, and I'll have to kind of see everything. 
Um, he he's made a lot of films. I think he, Steven Spielberg, and Woody Allen have made so many movies that you kind of like. You kind of have to turn your brain to mush just to watch everything they've done. Scorsese is also quite like that. I think Scorsese has the benefit of being a more driven, masculine artist. Um, Eastwood's a little, you know, soupy with his masculinity, um, and it shows in these in, in the movies he directs. Um, Woody Allen is it's a lot of good dialogue, but the acting and the camera work is usually kind of hit or miss. I mean, sometimes he gets a really good uh, DP like Gordon Willis, but other or but often he just abandons that kind of craft altogether, and he's just sort of like he's Yeah, I mean, I 
Agora foi a Oito. Você não chama de Fox. Você vai calar o Mauro. Pode ser o Mac. Não. Eu tenho que calar o Mauro. 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 Well, just for completion's sake, you end up watching. I guess that's the nice way to put it. All right, an hour and twenty. That's that's as much as I can do. Uh, good night and good luck.